Hey everybody, this is part two of Christmas trees, pagans, and you, or Christians, oh my. So this is part two, same day as just concluding. I just didn't want to do 20 minutes or 30 minutes all at once. It takes a long time to upload uh, for Facebook and YouTube. So anyway, to, so I started talking about the reason people don't have uh, Christmas trees, or the why some people don't, is they feel it offends God or it's got pagan roots that offend God, and it's all tied together. So in part one, I covered things like, um, you know, to, before you say, I'm not doing a Christmas tree because it may offend God, I ask you to examine what you look at on movies and TV, and if you sit there and listen to the Lord's name in vain, if you sit there and listen to four-letter words in movies, and you say, oh, but it was brilliantly filmed, or, or the scenery is so beautiful, I don't go for the cussing, I go for the plot, or whatever the case is. Just make sure if that's your reasoning that you now are going to limit yourself to movies and TV shows that don't have any cursing in them, that don't have any works of the flesh, that are listed in Galatians chapter 5, you know, 19 through 23 lists, works of the flesh and, and fruit of the Spirit. So make sure if you're, if you're going to accuse your your friend of Christmas tree and offending God, make sure that what you're seeing on your on your TV and on your phone and such doesn't also offend God. Otherwise, you're a hypocrite. And if it's because of pagan roots, I already got into the fact that the current church structure of 1700 years is built on temples to Apollo uh, or Zeus, if you're Greek, and uh, Diana uh, or Artemis, depending on whether you're Greek or Roman, and other gods and goddesses, and how that is the format that we've had. And many of us have gone back to of course, uh, the ha the church uh, in the house, which is where Adam, I mean, God invented it. Adam and Eve and the Lord in the garden meeting in their home. That was that was the original house church, and, and he's never left. But anyway, I digress. Let's talk about, let's talk real quickly about birthdays. You ever celebrate birthdays? You, when you were a kid, did you have birthday parties, and did you have a cake, and you blew out the candles? You made a wish, blew out a candle? Maybe today you celebrate somebody's birthday, or you at least acknowledge, you give a card to a boss, a co-worker, a family member. Well, do you know where that came from? In ancient Greece, the Greeks who worshipped Luna would make a round cake and put candles on it and light it, and the birthday boy or the birthday girl or the birthday adult would close their eyes, make a prayer to Luna, blow out the candles, and they believed that their prayers went up in the smoke to Luna, the moon goddess. And so that's why the cakes were round. That's why they had candles. That's why they blew them out. Today we say, oh, make a wish. That's the modern derivative of an ancient, ancient pagan practice. So if you, again, use that argument, you've, you've got to be intellectually honest here. You've got to say, if I if I believe one thing, but I'm presented with facts and, and ideas from something else, I've got to be intellectually honest. I've got to be willing to change my position. So, okay, so I go to a building that has pagan roots. I celebrate birthdays, which have pagan roots. How about Valentine's Day, uh, where, where a week-long celebration of fertility, where young women would put their names into a jar and young men would draw the names out and that would be their companion for the week of sex and drunkenness and everything else celebrating uh, the fertility rites of the coming spring. Yeah, so I don't think that's the case uh, in modern day Valentine's Day, but uh, you know, it's got pagan roots. So now we've eliminated, you can't go to church building called church. You can't celebrate birthdays. You can't tell that significant other that you love them on Valentine's Day and maybe take them to dinner or something like that or, or have dinner with them, make the day special. So what are we going to do? 
What are we going to do? Well, let's go to chapter and verse. It's so crazy, it just might work. You see, in Paul's day, he dealt with the same things. In Romans chapter 14, the whole chapter, and also 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and the second half of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul dealt with these things. So 1 Corinthians 8, 1 Corinthians 10, the second half, and then all of Romans 14. So the situation was this. In Corinth, in, in Rome, but I, I've been to the, the ruins of Corinth and, and led a, a tour group there. And in the middle of town, there's the Temple of Apollo. And on two sides, there are the ruins of what used to be restaurants and meat markets and clothing stores and whatever else they sold at the Agora at the marketplace. But on two sides were, were these places when you could go in and have a bite to eat. And, and so what they would do is once a person would sacrifice a, a pig, a calf, a goat, a sheep, something like that, a bird, a pigeon, whatever, uh, to to Apollo, the excess meat, once they made sure that the priests and priestesses were taken care of, the temple prostitutes were taken care of uh, with all their food needs, and they had all this excess, they would sell it to the restaurants that lined in the shops that lined the the area, and then they would in turn sell those steaks and that meat to to passersby who wanted to come in for a meal. Human nature is the same. It's been set up this way for lots of years. So anyway, the issue was that some Christians had issues would say, I, I, you can't eat that steak because of the pagan roots, because it was, it was just sacrificed to Apollo not more than 30 minutes ago, or yesterday it was it was sacrificed to Apollo. How can you eat that steak? It's got pagan roots to it. And, and many Christians were saying, what do I care? Christ is in me, the hope of glory. This is just a, meat, a piece of meat. There's nothing evil in and of itself, no matter what do I care if some, some pagan uh, made sacrifice to, to Apollo. Uh, for me, it's just lunch or it's just dinner. But other Christians were like, oh, you can't do that. So Paul had to deal with this. And, and in Romans 14, he deals with Christians who, who said, who were arguing about what day of the week they should worship on. Some maybe with Jewish roots wanted a Saturday. Others were saying, hey, I'm not Jewish. I'm, the only day that matters to me is the Lord's resurrection day. Jesus said he's Lord of the Sabbath. He created all the days. So Christ in me, every day is a Sabbath. So what do I care? And others were like, no, no, no. You must worship on this day to be more like the Lord. Otherwise you offend God. And well, what he said to Israel was for Israel, but it's not necessarily for me, a Gentile believer. So then uh, what else did Paul deal with? Oh, not only days of the week, but some were saying, hey, you know, you should only eat vegetables or you shouldn't drink wine. All of that was covered in Romans chapter 14. So in 1 Corinthians 8, he starts out in verse 4. He said, now concerning the things uh, that had been sacrificed to idols, he said, we know that an idol is nothing in this world. And, and though there be gods and goddesses, we know that there is but one God whose we are and whom we serve. And like I said, he would later say, but we've, we've got Christ in us, the hope of glory. He said this, he said, but not everybody has this knowledge. Some who are weak in the faith don't have this knowledge and they're bothered. So Paul's instructions in 1 Corinthians 8 and 1 Corinthians 10 were this, were very simply. He said, if you want to go and you want to eat a steak and your conscience is, is clear on that, then go and do that. But if you're having a, a meal appointment with somebody that you know is weak in the faith and that bothers them because there's pagan roots, then when you're having the meal with them, order something else. Don't order the meat plate, you know, order the veggie plate in so many words. He said, so that you don't offend for conscience sake, not your conscience, but for their conscience. So that was his instructions in 1 Corinthians chapter, the summary, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, what he, he said, you know, just be persuaded in your own mind. If, if, if that bothers you, that has pagan roots, then don't eat it. Eat something else. And if you're by yourself and you're you're eating at the steak and it doesn't bother you, then that's fine. But if you're in a group of people and you know some are offended at that, then then eat steak a later time and order the veggie tray. You know, that sort of thing. So in Romans chapter 14, he deals with it and he says, he opens with this in Romans 14. He said, he said, he that is weak in the faith receive, but not to the point of arguing about it. And he goes on to say, verse four, five, six, seven, he says, who are you to judge another man's servant? To, to his servant, he rises or falls. He does this or that. And, and of course, the, we are the servant and the other man's servant, the other man is, is the Lord. He says, for each of us has to give account of himself uh, uh, unto the Lord. So one who eats does so unto the Lord, and one who doesn't eat does so unto the Lord. Let everyone, this is what Paul said in Romans 14, let everyone be fully persuaded in his own mind because we answer individually to the Lord. So this is the summary of it, folks. If if you are not bothered by the pagan roots of Christianity, if you don't care what some Germanic tribe did thousands of years ago by bringing a tree in their house, hoping that spring would recover uh, itself and that, that spring would come again and that you want to remind yourself of happier, brighter days, bring the tree into your house, decorate it with all the mementos you want to, do so with a clear conscience. The Lord knows you're not worshiping some god or goddess that some ancient Germanic tribe did thousands of years ago. In the same way that when you celebrate your birthday, he knows you're not saying a prayer to Luna. You're just honoring a person, which is right and proper, for Christ is in them, for they are made in God's image, and we should honor human life. Got it. No problem. But if you have a problem with that, if you, in spite of, of all that I present about being intellectually honest, if you still go out and you watch movies that have the Lord's name in vain and everything, but you still want to accuse your brother or sister of, of offending God because they bring a tree into their house, or they celebrate his birthday when it wasn't on his birthday, if you want to be that hip hypocritical and dishonest, uh, then that's fine. That's one thing. But where the hypocrisy comes in and where the walk of love comes in is this, what Paul said in Romans 14, that they don't answer to you. They, we all answer to Jesus individually. So let everybody be full, fully persuaded. If the pagan roots don't bother you, then go to that church, sit in that pew. But uh, you know, for a lot of people now, you're ruined. Because now I've explained to you that when you're going to go to church Sunday morning and you're going to sit in that pew, you're going to realize you're, you're sitting in a building designed by the devil, but now used by God's people. And you're going to have to examine your heart. So the point is walking in love. Paul wrote extensively about walking in love, about making allowances one for another, about the fruit of the spirit of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and patience and meekness and staying away from the works of the flesh of sexual sin and hatred and, and manipulation and all the other things. So it's a, it's a heart check. So if you are one who wants to celebrate Christmas, do so with a clear conscience. That's my wife and I. You know, we've always celebrated Christmas. We raised our kids to know about Santa Claus, uh, the truth uh, of the whole thing, about the origins of it, about the historical origins, the commercial origins and everything else. But you know what? We can go all the way through that and we can celebrate the birth of our Lord. And and obviously, like I said, it's not important enough to be in Scripture to celebrate his birth so the early Christians weren't concerned about it. But you know what? If I can celebrate my birthday or your birthday and wish you a happy birthday on Facebook and everything else, then certainly I can I can have a moment to celebrate and give thanks to the Father for the greatest gift mankind has ever received. And if somebody believes differently, I can walk in love towards that because they don't answer to me, they answer to the Lord.
So anyway, hope this has been some good, interesting uh, insight. This is, again, part two of, of Christmas trees, pagans, and Christians. Oh, my. All right. Hope it's been a blessing. Bye-bye.